God, we love you. We give you thanks. We give you praise. You are amazing. We have no words to describe who you are and all that you've done, God. We, we are just thankful to be in your presence. God, this morning we, we sing and worship to you. But we also open up our words to be able to, to hear from you, God. I pray that you would just speak through this word today. Would you speak through me? Don't let it be my words that are speaking, but would they be your words for your people on your day, God? We are here for you and for no other reason. God, no one came to hear from Pastor Chris today. We all come to hear from you. Would you speak to us? Would you challenge us? Would you shape us through your word? We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are starting a brand new series today uh, that I'm excited about. Uh, It's called More Than a Feeling. Uh, More Than a Feeling is going to be a series that we do that goes, goes into truth, what we know as truth. See, too often in our culture, in our world today, truth is not based on anything substantial. It's not based on fact sometimes. Truth is based on feeling. How am I feeling this day? Truth is, is relative in many, in many instances. You hear people talk about that you can have your truth and I'll have my truth. Those cannot coexist. Truth is truth, fact is fact, and feelings, while they are valid, are just feelings. Our truth, our what we believe in, is based on more than just a feeling. Hence the title. So we're going to spend the next couple months just diving in to what we believe, why we believe it, why it's important. So that we, when, we, when we are asked what we believe and why we believe it and why it's important, our answer is more than just because I feel like something. We can point to the word. We can say, this is, this is why I think this. This is why I believe this. This is why I worship the God that I worship because this is truth to me. <laughs> This is my truth. All right, this is based on more than a feeling. And so we're going to, over the next couple of months, like I said, take a deep, long look at what we believe, why we believe it, and, uh, and why it's important. Because unfortunately, this relative truth that is prevalent in our culture has made its way into the church as well. There was a study done in 2018, just last year, and they asked this question. I want to read the question, quote it just so, so I'm not messing it up. Religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It is not about objective truth. They interviewed churchgoers and non-churchgoers, and here's what, here's what the churchgoers said. And by churchgoers, here's what I mean. Those who attend church from, from one to two times a month to one plus a week, right? They're here for church and they're here for Bible study. These are the people that answered this question. 13% of those people strongly agreed with that statement. That religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It's not about objective truth. Another 20% somewhat agreed with that. A full third of the church-going people that they, that they interviewed in these things said that truth, religious belief, is nothing more than opinion. It's nothing more than a feeling. I mean, you can, you, can, you can argue with me all you want. This question is, maybe the question's misleading. Maybe the question is, maybe they just didn't understand. But even, you can even put a margin of error in this whole thing, right? Put a 5% margin of error in here, and over a quarter of the people still who believe in Jesus, who go to church at least once or twice a month, would say that their religious belief is nothing more than personal opinion. 
This is, this is why this series is so important to me. This is why it's so important that we're all on the same page, that we understand that truth is truth. And where does this truth come from? It comes from this word. So I think particularly in this time where truth is, is somewhat relative in and, in and outside the church, I think it's important to do what, what we're going to do in this series. Talk about who God is, what he's done in our lives, what we believe, why we believe it. And why it's important. So this morning, I want to just I want to just start where I think everybody should start when you're talking about our faith with a foundation, which is God. In the beginning, there was God. What do we believe about God? Why do we believe what we believe about God? And and, and I just want to just pause this morning because whether last week you made a decision for Christ and it was your first time making a decision for Christ and you're just ready to go or whether this year was the year that you forgot how many years you've been a Christian because it's been so long it doesn't matter everybody needs to just just pause to take it take a step back and just say who is this God let's take a step back and just be in awe of who God is because God deserves God deserves that God is the holy just creator of all things. This is who God is. He is the holy, just creator of all things. And oftentimes what we do, we understand that we, we, we go and pray, and when we pray, we talk to, to this holy, just creator of all things. But sometimes we, we rush into the presence of God. We don't pause first to think about who are we talking to. We don't pause first to think about who this, this God even is. What does it mean that we can even talk to this God? And oftentimes we don't just rush in. We rush out of the presence of God too. We rush in with our prayer. We, we jump right in. God, I love you. God, this is, this is what's going on in my life. God, I need this and this. And God, I would like this. And God, I hope you heal this person. And, and I hope I get a good parking spot. And, and all this prayers. And then we just kind of rush off. And we just kind of end the prayer right there. Now you can imagine... With me, I think I've said this example before, but if, if, if I asked Rachel to marry me, which I did, and we got married, and we began this, this marriage relationship, at the very beginning of our marriage relationship, it was like amazing. We talked all the time. I wanted nothing more than to just know all about Rachel. And then one day... I just kind of lose interest in hearing anything from her. I come home from work and come in. I say, man, my day was just amazing today. Look at all the things that I did. I, I, I was with this person. I shot even at the golf course today. Like I did, I did all of this stuff. Like, and, then I, and then I just leave. And she's saying there, don't you want to hear about my day? Well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really interested. Don't you want to hear what's going on at home? Don't you want to hear what's going on with our kids? I'm not, not really interested. I just rush into the presence of my wife, and I rush out of the presence of my wife. It sounds really silly when you put it like that, right? No one would ever do that. But it's exactly what we do with God. We rush into the presence of God, and we begin our prayer, and then we rush out of the presence of God without ever even pausing to really tell God who He is or just to hear God speak into our lives. So I want you to just close your eyes with me this morning. Because God is the creator and the sustainer of all things. 
It doesn't take much to, to really be in awe of God. In fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 1, he says this. He says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. God has been trying to reveal himself to you, to try and show himself to you. You can do it. Paul basically just says, just go outside. We're inside now, but I want you to keep your eyes closed. I just want you to just picture these things with me. I want you to picture just a lush green forest. Just take in the smell, even. Hear the birds singing in the trees. The, the breeze just going through the limbs. Picture yourself on an island. Just the sand underneath your feet. The wind coming off of the waves. The smell of the seawater. If you've been there, picture the, or if you've seen a picture of the Grand Canyon. Just this immense, vast area. You can even picture the Sahara Desert. Just this vast area of just sand. It's hot, but there's wildlife there. There's cactus there. Go to the South Pole and you see a glacier. You go just up north, east of here. Niagara Falls. I mean, it's not, it's not hard to see the beauty of what God has made. And you zoom out. Because we have our God, Scripture tells us, is a star breather God. He breathes out stars. And you can imagine, you can just, just picture these stars. You can picture our galaxy that earth is just a little tiny piece of. We just got our first glimpse of what a black hole looks like. And I've read recently that, that space is, people are now thinking that space just goes on infinitely. I mean, this is, this is the God that we follow. This is the God that loves us, that we come to know. And we don't just have to zoom out, we can zoom in. I mean, you picture just a, a little caterpillar for me, for some reason, I just I picture the, the very hungry caterpillar. Don't ask me why. I don't know. Did you know that caterpillar has 228 muscles in its head? Picture the Amazon rainforest. Did you know there are 3,000 species of trees in one square mile of the Amazon rainforest? Picture an elm tree with me. Did you know there are about six million leaves on the average elm tree? 
Here's one for you. Picture, just think about laughter. And think about how many laughs are just in this room right now. This is creation. This is what God has made. This is, this is the creator God that we come to worship this morning. And we don't just believe it because we, we feel it. We know from Genesis 1, you can open your eyes now, we know from Genesis 1 that God is the creator God. That in the beginning, God created. Out of nothing, he created everything. Right? We know that God is the creator of all those things that you just pictured. All of the beauty that you just pictured in your own mind. We go outside today and we can see beauty in the trees outside. We see beauty everywhere we look. And when we do it, we see, we see God. See, sometimes I think we, we fall into kind of a spiritual amnesia kind of thing. <laughs> we just kind of forget that when we pray, we pray to this God. When we sing, we sing to this God. How can we be more aware that we are talking and worshiping a creator God? I think when we look around, instead of, instead of tonight, when it's sunset, instead of saying, man, look how beautiful that sunset is, can we just say a word of prayer and say, God, thank you for this sunset. God, thank you for your creation. We serve a creator God. God is our creator. And Genesis 1.1 says that in the beginning, God created. That's not true unless in the beginning, God was already there. So here's something else that we believe about our God, that God is eternal, that God was before there was anything. God will be after everything, <laughs> because God is eternal. God, God will always be. All of us, uh, we, have, we have beginnings, and all of us have ends everything in existence except for God he has always been he will always be God is outside of our of our time encapsulated food and and water dependent sleep dependent lives God is outside of all of that we serve an eternal God and sometimes it's it's that's hard to fathom and that's okay because we cannot fathom what that would be like right that is not something that we can fathom because we are we are not there we are not eternal. We are finite. We, we have a beginning and we will have an end. Here's what Psalm 102 says about God being eternal. Psalm 102 verse 12 says this, But you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. Later on in that same psalm, verse 27, says this, But you remain the same and your years will never end. I, I, there's, there's so many different scriptures that I could go to this morning to talk about how God is eternal, that, that, that God's reign will never end, that God was there in the beginning and he will be there for all time. But here's what we can do. We can rejoice knowing that God has always been faithful and he will always be faithful because it's part of the character of God to be faithful and as long as God is there, God will be faithful. And if God is eternal, God will always be faithful. We, we can worship because of that. We can worship an eternal God. Here's the, here's the third thing. I told you earlier that God is the holy, just creator of all things. We've talked about God's kind of creative qualities. Let's talk about this first one, that God is holy. 
God is holy. He is set apart, which is what holy means. Holy just means he is set apart. He is, he is other. We don't get to decide who God is. We don't get to give God a name. God has already given himself these things. God gets to decide who God is. In fact, in Exodus chapter 3, Moses is having a conversation with, with God. Conversation slash argument with God. And he asks him, God is trying to get Moses to go out and to, to save his people, to get his people out of Egypt. And here's a question that Moses asked God in Exodus chapter 3, starting at verse 13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. I am who I am. I don't think there's any, any better way to describe God than that one sentence. I am who I am. We don't get to put a name on him. We don't get to put a description on him. We don't get to, to say who God is or what he can do. God does that himself. God says, I am who I am. To the, to the Jewish people in the early church, to say something was holy. To say whole, something three times was to say it was perfect. All throughout Scripture, you see it in Isaiah chapter 6, as Isaiah enters into the throne room of God. And then what are the angels saying? They're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You look in Revelation chapter 4, same thing. The angels in the throne room are saying, holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. They're saying, God, you are perfectly holy. God, you are perfectly set apart. There is no one that can ever be compared to you. There is nothing that can ever be compared to you because you are perfectly other. You are perfectly set apart. You are God. God is holy. We get to know some of the characteristics of God through this, through this book, through, through His Word, but God is holy. A lot of people exhaust the dictionary trying to describe who God is. Trying to give Him a, a title or a name or a characteristic, but to me it just, it's just comforting to know that I can never exaggerate God. I can never say too much about God. There is no amount of descriptions or characteristics that I could say that would give you a very accurate picture, big picture, of who God is. We know that God is love. We know that God is full of grace and mercy. We know that God is compassionate. We know that God is kind. We know that God is love. But that doesn't even scratch the surface of who God is. We just know that God is holy. He is set apart. Here's one more for you today. God is all-knowing. This is an intimidating one to think about, right? God knows everything about me. There is nothing hidden from God. 
There's nothing that can be hidden from God. He knows my thoughts before I think them. He knows my actions before I do them. He knows, he knows everything about me. You know, David in Scripture came to this realization. You know what it made him do? It caused David not to, not to tremble in fear, not to kind of try and hide even more. It caused him to worship. I mean, you read Psalm 139, and just, just listen to these words. Psalm 139, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to me. How precious are your thoughts to me, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against those against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I mean, for David, just the knowledge that God knows everything about him, every intimate detail. He says, if I were to go up to heaven, you would be there. If I were to go into the depths, you would be there. There is nowhere that I can hide from you, and it causes David to worship. Hebrews chapter 4 13 says this, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God is all-knowing. And before you let that sink in and become intimidated by that, I want you to know this also about God. God knows everything about you. He knows everything that you've done. He knows every sin that you have in your past. And here's the thing about God. He still loves you. God is all-knowing, but he still loves you. There is nothing you could do today that will make God love you more or make God love you less. Because God is love. 
I could go on and on today about who God is. And we could just, we could spend hours just diving into scripture, just seeing who God is. And it's not based on a feeling. It's based on God's word. We know who God is because God has revealed himself to us through his word. We know the characteristics of God that we know of because God has revealed himself to us in his word. It's not a feeling. It's based on truth. On objective truth. Not opinion. Personal opinion. Personal feeling. It's based on truth. And if this is true, if it's true that, what, that these things that we have talked about, that God is holy, that God is the creator of all things, that God is all-knowing but still chooses to love us, that God is eternal, how does that knowledge, how does that truth affect who we are today? Does it change the way that you pray to know that this God that we're praying to is a God who, who knows everything already? To know that this God, you can say anything to this God and he will still love you. You can even take your anger to God. You can take your questions and your doubts to God and it doesn't matter to him. He still loves you. And honestly, if you take your anger and if you take your questions to God, he will comfort you in that moment. He will give you answers in that moment. If we stop and listen and not just rush in and rush out of the presence of God. How does this knowledge of God change the way that we connect with one another. To know that, that God knows everything about you and about me, but still loves me anyway. Still loves you anyway. How does it affect the way you connect with one another to know that every single person that you come in contact with is loved by God? And if they're loved by God, shouldn't they be loved by us? How does it change the way that you that you devote yourself to grow? How does it change the way that you challenge yourself to grow into Christ's likeness, right? How does, it, how does it change the way you read the Word to know that this God who we serve is holy, is all-knowing, is eternal? Does it change the way that you, that you commit yourself to grow? Knowing that these things aren't just kind of ideas that are hanging out in the balance over here. These are this is true. How does it change the way that you serve? When the people that you meet, and you realize that they are loved by God just as much as me. My prayer is that this week and every week of this series, we go home and begin to just process this, this question. If this is true if this is more than just a feeling how does this change things for me how does this change the way I connect with other people how does this change the way I grow how does this change the way I serve how does this change my life God is the holy just creator of all things 
He is eternal. He is all-knowing. He is love. We could go on and on and on. It's okay if we can never fathom the greatness of God. Someday, we will. Let's pray. God, we love you. We give you thanks, we give you praise for all that you do and all that you are. God, you are holy. You are the creator of all things. You, God, are eternal. God, there's nowhere that we could go that we would be away from your presence. Let that comfort us this week. God, with this knowledge of of who you are and the fact that it is based on so much more than a feeling, the fact that it is based on on your truth, the way that you have revealed yourself in your word, God, would would this cause us to go forward and to be bold for you? Would we make a difference in the community in which we find ourselves simply because we know you and we love you and we are loved by you? God, help us as we go. Be in our homes. Be in our workplaces. Be in our conversations. Would every person that we see and touch and connect with this week just catch a glimpse of you in us? We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? And uh, if you're new here, we, we end, the, end our services in the same way every week. We just ask that you would uh, just, just hold out your hands and just receive a blessing from God. And it might be awkward the first time, but just, just receive this blessing. May our God, the holy, eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful, God, go ahead of you and with you this week. May he give you courage and boldness. May he give you kindness and compassion towards those you see that you would make a difference for him in your community. Go in peace, go in grace, go in the strength of our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for coming this morning.